Hello and welcome to The Bravest Kind, a podcast featuring behind-the-scenes stories of fearless individuals demonstrating bravery and kindness in their everyday lives. I'm your host, Ryan Schaefer, and I am a firefighter in EMT with the Kirkland Fire Department located just outside of Seattle, Washington. I am pumped to introduce today's guest, Jake Hopper. Jake is a conscious travel entrepreneur and is the co-founder of the Transformational Travel Council along with Explorer X and Rome Beyond. In this episode, Jake and I discuss the power of travel and using travel as a means to discover greater connection in oneself and others. We also talk about the work Jake is doing and how travel can break down barriers and lead to greater personal growth. Along the way, Jake and I stray from the topic of travel and get deep on what it takes to be vulnerable and happy while also tackling our own strengths and weaknesses as fathers. Jake is a lifelong friend of mine and one of those guys who is open and honest in conversation, and I think that comes through in this episode. One note for our listeners is that this is the first time in which I interview my guest in person, from a Rome Beyond location in Montana, no less. So if there happens to be some audio inconsistencies, that is why. The payoff in my mind, however, is well worth it. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. I am here today with my good friend, Jake Hoppert. And in fact, this is quite exciting. This is my first time doing a podcast interview in person. And we happen to be at a Rome Beyond site in Columbia Falls, Montana, which is located just outside of Glacier National Park near Whitefish, Montana. So I couldn't think of a better setting to actually do a podcast interview in person. We have these sweeping views of the mountains and it's really spectacular. So hopefully it'll give us plenty of inspiration today, Jake, for our talk. Yeah, yeah, Ryan. It's uh, it's good to be here. I feel like since we got on the plane to come out here, we've been talking nonstop. So uh, it's it's exciting to, to record a bit of this. Well, it is. You know, actually, there's been times over the last two days that I've wished the mic was just rolling because we have had so many uh, deep conversations, which is... As we do. As, as, we, do. We, as we do. That's what I was going to say. It's just a natural thing, I think, for you and I to do. So it's no different than ever. All right. So, Jake, let's get into it. Um, as I mentioned, you've dedicated your life to travel. And I know much of your focus the past few years has specifically been on transformational travel. And I mentioned that you're a co-founder of the Transformational Travel Council. Describe to our listeners what the term transformational travel means. Yeah, yeah. So transformational travel, uh, you know, it's it. I think everyone sort of connects with this idea that travel uh, uh, inherently changes us. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, our work at the Transformational Travel Council is how can we be more active in pursuing that change? How can we use travel as this catalyst to, to connect, reconnect with with self and, you know, connect with others more deeply? Uh, and, you know, even going deeper, connect with nature, connect with, with, with the beyond, right? Like, and, and, and I just feel like travel has always been this really powerful place, uh, to, to sort of stretch and learn and grow, uh, you know, and, and at the Transformational Travel Council, we're, we're working on providing practices and tools and methods for, for travelers and, and for tourism, uh, to, you know, really help people get the most out of their experiences. Do you have a particular Type or is there a particular type of person that you would say that is really drawn to some of these experiences that you talk about and really connecting and really wanting that transformational experience? I mean, when you're out there doing that, is that like all walks of life or are you really seeing a particular kind of type of individual that's drawn to this? 
Well, I think travel really brings us back to a level of being and, you know, a level of humanity. So I'd say that it's, it's, it's applicable to anyone. Uh, you know, at, at the same time, you know, there are, are there, there are plenty of individuals and travelers out there, you know, f- since the beginning of time that have used this as an opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to, to go on a pilgrimage, to, to quest, you know, to use it as this rite of passage. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I think that uh, uh, anytime that we step out onto the road, you know, there are opportunities to, to learn, uh, you know, and, and, and grow, uh, you know, and so, so I, I think that, you know, it ultimately people want deeper, more meaningful travel experiences. That's why we travel. Even if you, you know, want to go and hang out on the beach and just sort of escape, uh, you know, we feel like, you know, bringing a little bit of intention, bringing some mindset to it, you know, and, and trying to uncover your, your why, you know, will allow you to have deeper, more meaningful experiences that, you know, potentially transform you. So how do you help people through that process? If someone's listening and they're not real familiar with this term, what are some things that people can do to be more intentional and to really have that transformative experience with their travel? Yeah. You know, I think that the first thing that I, that we recommend is look at travel as this process that unfolds. Uh, and it unfolds in, you know, and often a beautifully, beautiful way. And it's filled with, with highs and lows and, you know, and filled with joy, but also filled with, you know, a struggle at times. Uh, and so I, I, I think that, you know, when you look at it from this, uh, this opportunity to, to, to grow, you know, it's first, you need to look within. And so we often talk about the why and how of travel mm-hmm. as being critical, uh, you know, to, to a, a deeper adventure. So typically in the industry, the travel industry, you know, we, we, we talk about where do we want to go? What do we want to do? And that's really exciting. But I think you can really empower your trip by simply taking that step and saying, you know, why, what are my motivations, you know, and then sort of getting into, you know, how can I do it better? And that's really getting into that, that growth mindset, that intention setting, and, and, you know, really preparing for a journey emotionally and spiritually and psychologically and physically, uh, you know, and then when you're on a journey, you know, really, uh, you know, focusing on being present, raising your awareness, really being present, noticing, you know, you know, who, who you encounter and where you're at and really, uh, you know, using that opportunity to, 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 to stoke that inner fire, you know, that we get when we travel, uh, you know, and, and then going beyond, you know, when I say looking at it as a process, you know, you, you have these experiences, then you reflect on them, right? And then it's about assigning meaning, you know, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to others? And then, you know, when you return from that journey, you have that time, that opportunity to take action. You know, I've learned this about myself. I've had these sort of moments that provided clarity and courage and confidence. And, and now I get to, you know, you've kind of got an open canvas, a white space. Yeah. You know, you've, you've been on a journey. You're ready to, to en- enact meaningful change in your life. You know, it's interesting just hearing you talk about that. I know you're relating it to travel. So many of the things that you're saying there I also think are applicable to people in their everyday lives. Even defining that why, having connection, taking action, almost this, as you talk about it, this enlightenment mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. And... I'm just sitting here listening to you talk and I'm like, you know, that really can be applied to a lot of facets of life as well. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. So speaking of some of these transformational trips, one that I have been on specifically with you, well, we've been on a lot of epic (laughs) trips together uh, for for those that are listening, uh, Jake and myself and a 
group of buddies, we do an annual uh, backpacking trip as it typically turns out to be. Uh, but we try to get together on a yearly basis and explore oftentimes a, a, a national park somewhere. And we've done everything mm-hmm. from the Grand Canyon to mm-hmm. uh, Zion National Park to Glacier National Park to Death Valley. Yeah. To, uh, I don't know how many of the national parks in Utah. So I uh, feel really fortunate to have uh, had so many of these experiences with you. But probably the one that stands out above all would be our trip to Kilimanjaro. Yeah. And there was a group of 11 of us in 2014, I think it was, that summited Kilimanjaro. And then we also went and did a safari in the Serengeti. And then for the super trifecta, uh, went to Zanzibar in the Indian Ocean and did some scuba diving. And you talked a lot about on that trip, and I, or maybe it was even after, because I remember talking to you about that and just man, that was just so amazing. And it's still speaking to me all these days and weeks and, and months later. Uh, and you use the term echo to me. I remember you're like, yeah, what you're hearing or what you're feeling in the travel industry, we refer to that as the echo. So I'm wondering if you can just explain a little bit about that post-travel echo that is often experienced after such a trip as that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and to, to really honor that, that Kilimanjaro experience that, that we shared, uh, you know, and, and why that was so powerful for us. And in a lot of ways, you know, that what we seek when we, when, when we set out on, on adventure are really powerful moments that, that do, you know, sit deeply within us and, and, and tend to, to come up and echo across our lives, you know, and, and that trip was, was extra special. I mean, as, as you said, we've done this in our own backyard and we've done this in, you know, internationally and, and this Kilimanjaro trip was you know, really, really pivotal in, in my own work uh, 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 with transformational travel. And if you remember correctly, that the night before that we that, that uh, we we headed up uh, Kilimanjaro, Are we talking we the sat, night before the summit or the night before actually departing on the the night before we started uh, up the mountain. Okay. So yeah, okay, yeah, it. it was it was at the uh, in the hotel uh, in there. The hotel in there. The, yeah, no. and we all sort of gave you know we we, we gave a toast and we talked about like the mountain is going to be sort of, we're going to reflect on, you know, the first half of our lives on the way up, right? Because we're all in our forties. Mm-hmm. Some of us were in the fit in our fifties. And, and then on the way back, we're going to, you know, really reflect or, you know, like what, and set intentions on what do we want to do in our second half of our life? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so, you know, with the amazing conversations that we had on the yeah. way up and then, you know, if you remember correctly, you know, we, you know, as we approached what turned out to be the false summit, yeah. You know, it, Paul Snow, uh, you know, one of one of our good friends, you know, we the sun was rising mm-hmm. and the snow was just glistening and, and uh, uh, he was moved like deeply and he started to cry. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't because of the, the physical challenge. Yeah. It was because we had assigned meaning to that mountain. Yeah. Right. And in that moment, the mountain meant more. Uh, to all of us. And I remember, you know, Paul just releasing and then one by Mm -hmm. one, Mm -hmm. the rest of us in the group, we just ended up like, not just, you know, shedding a few tears, but we were bawling. Yeah. No, it was water fountains. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We were crying. And, 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 and that was just this really incredible, you know, highlight of my, my travel uh, travels, you know, across my life for sure. Um, you know, in that, in that moment, you know, coming back from down from that mountain for me, I was like that, that moment that this process that's unfolded, you know, on, on this journey 
is what I think travel is all about, you know? Uh, and so, you know, that echo of that trip, yeah. that stays with us. Right. It and, it and, it, and it really brings us back to what's important to ourselves, you know, and for that, for that moment, it was, it was friendship. It yeah. was, you know, reflecting on loved ones at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, and also giving us that, that, that hope for our future. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point there, too. I think it does create hope and excitement and that sense of adventure that comes with all that, too. And I think we all seek that in our in our lives to uh, have something to continue moving forward uh, and, and something to look forward to. Yeah, I was surprised, actually, at how overcome by emotion I was when we yeah, reached out. Uh, and like you said, it was the Oh, what do they call that? The fault. There's an actual name for that false summit. I forget what it yeah, is, but I there's forget. that. Yeah, the sign. And of course, for those listening, we did make it to the real summit. Uh, <laughs> I have video proof of us as we're marching there. And as Jake said, just a really spectacular morning as the sun was rising and bouncing off the glacier, uh, ice and snow, and uh, really amazing. But yeah, I, I was shocked and i do remember everything that you're saying about one by one and then all of a sudden i, I yeah you know, start just overcome with it we're just right? each other and i think i've cried that hard maybe two or three times in my life you know you know i've asked you about that trip because i've, I've wondered you've done so much travel in mm-hmm. your life and a lot of international travel and i've done my share for sure but nowhere near as much as you have done and i remember asking you and kirk uh, Kirk Demeter, who runs Down Under Answers uh, Travel, who was also on this trip. And again, both of you working in the travel industry and international travel, I asked you that one time, both of you guys. I was like, was that trip as meaningful for the two of you as it was mm-hmm. for the rest of us? Mm-hmm. And I remember you saying that, yes, it was for those very reasons you just yeah. explained. And I don't know, not that I needed any kind of validation, but it it's a good question. It kind of gave me it's validation. A good question. Still, yeah. that it was that powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have had been very blessed and, and privileged to be able to travel and see, see much of the world and have amazing experiences. And a lot of those experiences, you know, are with, um, you know, with, with colleagues, you know, or in the space, you know, but, you know, I remember those moments where I'm just like, God, I wish I was with my family. You know, I wish mm-hmm. I was with my friends, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much power in there and, and value in the shared experience with loved ones. There is. I've talked to my wife, Bonnie, who you know well and, and who has traveled quite extensively and who has uh, lived in Tanzania on a couple different occasions in her life. She talks about that because she's done a fair amount of international travel on her own. And she's like, I sometimes wonder if it happened because there's no one to mm-hmm. recall those experiences with nobody that she really shares some of them with. Right. So, yeah, right. It has a way of amplifying it when you're with, when you're with someone that you care about. And yeah. It's, you know, it's, a, it's that connection with, with others that we meet along the road that can be absolutely powerful, making great friends, you know, but when, when you do have that opportunity to have, you know, epic experiences, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. potentially trans transformational experiences with friends uh, that just, you know, did, elevate meaning, uh, and, and, and ways that we typically don't, aren't able to access. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some other things that are going on right now. I know one of your newer projects relates to anti-racism in travel. How did this come about and explain to me some of the work being done by you and your partners in this particular field? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, at the, the beginning of, of, of the, our conversation, we talked about, um, you know, it, transformation, you know, and, and, 
you know, what is transformational travel? And, and I talked about connection with self, connection with others and connection with nature or, you know, the, the infinite. And, and uh, you know, at the Transformational Travel Council, it's, it's really focused on psychology and meaning. Uh, you know, and, you know, what we, you know, re- recognize is that travel is ultimately about these moments, you know, these encounters that we have, uh, you know, when, when we're traveling, you know, with, you know, someone from a different culture, mm-hmm. like it's just travels, you've got this amazing ability to break down walls, right. But, you know, within you and between yeah. us. Uh, and we just decided that, you know, we, you really can't transform without, having, you know, a, an appreciation for how you perceive others, yeah. you know, and how you connect with others. And if travel's about that, that moment, you know, those experiences with others that you meet along the way, then, you know, there's some opportunity to do some work there to, to clear the space, you know, for more real and raw and genuine engagement, uh, you know, and, and, and in today's society, you know, especially in our Western culture, you know, we've, we've grown up and, uh, in a way where, you know, we've been conditioned in a lot of ways to, to be racist, you know, and, and, you know, for me going through my own journey, you know, in, in regard to transformation and transformational travel, you know, I really started to recognize, especially over the last few years, uh, you know, that these, that, that I didn't think that I was racist at all. But then when I looked deeper, I, I, I got to see, uh, um, this impact that the society that I've been brought on brought up in has had on me. Hmm. And that created stereotypes, right. That, that created, um, you know, what essentially, uh, um, blocks and, and jumps to judgment, you know, and prejudice and, and, and ultimately racism, you know, and, and so the transformational travel council, you know, if, if it's really about, traveling deeply connecting with self and others uh you know then there really should be um you know practices and there should be uh you know methods that help people really start to understand how they perceive others so how have you gone about creating some of those practices and methods because i hear everything that you're saying and you know as two white males that have been given access to a mm-hmm. lot of privilege in our lives and that have been afforded the ability to pursue a lot of these outlets that, that we've been mm-hmm. able to, how do you do that when it comes to the specific mm-hmm. topic of anti-racism and travel? Well, you know, this, this, this project that we're working on, it is, it is pretty, it is pretty bold. Uh, and, you know, thank goodness the entire travel industry as many industries are starting to, uh, to, to really have hard conversations around this, um, you know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, for, for tourism, you know, we're looking, you know, there's organizations that are looking at, you know, uh, uh, diversity, right. And equity, uh, inclusion and, you know, and what, what we're, we're trying to go a little bit deeper and start to try to understand or help people understand their identity, their own privilege, you know, or their, their white fragility, um, you know, and, and, and start to, to, to break that down. And so, you know, over the next six months, you know, we're going to be working, uh, you know, with some consultants in the DEI field, uh, that are going to help us sort of merge this experience of travel around transformation and psychology, you know, with, anti-racist uh, uh knowledge and practices okay. at the end of of this of this project we're we're in a position to help the industry and travelers 
develop tools and practices, you know, that, that start to build awareness that that, that this is real and that this exists. Mm -hmm. And a lot of ways it keeps us from, uh, you know, connecting in a genuine way with people that we encounter around the world, but also in our own backyard and our own neighborhoods and in the communities next door. Um, so that's, that's the goal of this project. Do you almost find that it's sometimes easier to connect when you are traveling and, and, and having that shared experience with someone of another culture of another race when you're out traveling versus when you are back home and in your, in our neighborhoods and our communities? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that there's there's something inherent about travel, or at least the traveler's mindset that that you know you open up a little bit more when when you travel, as you yeah. should, right? You're a guest in someone else's sure. home, right? Yeah. And and community, uh, you know. And so to to have that be um, rich and meaningful, um, you know, you, you I think you really have to. Uh, go in with you know some intention to be more comfortable mm-hmm. with the differences that you're going to encounter. Like yep. that's that's cross cultural interaction. Um, you know, so I, I, I think that that's 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 inherent. And in, in, but at the same time, there's a lot of work that you can do to prepare yourself emotionally, yeah. right? Yeah. To 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 really understand, you know, how you are experiencing in that moment. I'm going to shift gears a little bit, but I think still on the topics of emotion and and psychology. And we were planning a zoom call a few days ago with a few other friends, uh, as we are apt to do oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And I remember you you sent a message for the proposed night that we were going to do a zoom call. And you said, guys, can we bump this till tomorrow? Cause I'm doing a global talk on happiness tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And that is such a nebulous topic and I, and I love it. And I feel like you're one of the few people that I know that would be brave enough and bold enough to actually take on that kind of subject matter, giving a talk on, on happiness. And I, so my question that I have for you is how do you, how do you quantitate that? What, what was the message that you delivered? You've already given this talk. So I'm just curious what was talked about mm-hmm. and how do you go about quantifying what happiness is? Yeah. You know, it was, it was an interesting uh, opportunity, one that I was, uh, you know, very excited to contribute to. And, um, uh, you know, but I did come, come at from, come at it from perspective of like, you know, happiness is, is, uh, uh, it is nebulous, right. And, and, it, you know, how do you quantify, how do you create happiness? And, you know, ultimately what I came back to and what I shared in that, in that talk was that you have to be, you have to be open to the full spectrum of emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that you can't just access happiness because that's something that, that, that you want, right. You have to access the ability to feel and feel deeply. And so if you're able to feel deeply, you're going to access, you know, or, you know, or tap into happiness and joy, but you're also going to tap into potentially pain and suffering. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a quote that I shared, you know, that I'm going to share, share here that I think really captures that. And it's from, from Khalil Gibran. Uh, and he says, uh, the deeper the sorrow cracks into your being, the more joy you can contain. Hmm. You know, and I think that really, that, 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 that for me sort of, you know, epitomizes what, what it takes to feel happy. It is work. It is a a process and you have to be able to fill, 
you know, or as, as, as he says, right, create those cracks of sorrow because that gives the ability to feel the joy, right, and happiness. Yeah, I think what you're saying is just being comfortable sitting with your feelings, whatever they may be, whether that's loneliness or sadness mm-hmm. or joy or anger yeah. is simply feeling. And that's such a difficult thing. And in fact, last night, you and I were actually talking a little bit about this, not, not this very topic, but just how easy it is to check out and how many things that we have at our disposal in the current culture that we live in to almost numb ourselves to mm-hmm. feelings, whether that's self-medicating uh, with alcohol or other mm-hmm. substances, whether that's simply grabbing our phone and going onto social media or an app or uh, checking out and watching a show on Netflix, uh, wh- whatever it might be. There's so many things, so much information that we can turn to so we don't actually have to turn inwards to ourself. Mm-hmm. And that's I know something that I can say that I've struggled with in terms of just being okay with being. That's a, that's a hard thing, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that feeling is. Mm-hmm. Um, because so many times when it's not a good feeling, we don't want to, we don't want to deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I like what you're saying. I mean, in order to feel the, in order to feel the good, we gotta, we gotta feel the bad as well. We do. And I, and I think, and I love what you said about numbing, you know, I, I think we're, um, you know, culturally speaking, and I think that's really come to light, you know, as we've gone through this pandemic is, is we're separated, you know, we're separated each from each other. You know, we're separated from, you know, our families, the things that we love the most, we're separated from meaning, we're separated from purpose. And I think that it's a, in a lot of ways it has to do to do with, you know, this desire to try to make everything easy. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, you know, it, that somehow that is better. And, you know, and I, and I think that that has, has led us astray and it, and it focuses or it's, it's put us in a place where we do numb ourselves, you know, and travel has become that as well for a lot of, for a lot of us, you know, it's an escape, right. And we, we travel, uh, you know, to, to numb the pain of, you know, or the suffering we might be, we might be feeling at home, you know, and, and, you know, I think acknowledging that, you know, at, at, at some level, I think is, is critical to, you know, getting to, to, um, I'm going to share, uh, something from Joseph Campbell and, and he, and, and this idea of feeling alive, he said, most of us, most of us, you know, think that we're seeking, you know, the meaning of life. Right. And, 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 you know, he says, and I think that we're just seeking the, the, the feeling of being alive, mm-hmm. Yeah. which I just, I, I love that, That's you great. know, because that, that really captures, you know, why, why, why I live, why I do the work that, that I do and the moments that we had on yeah. Kilimanjaro, you know, and that requires feeling deeply. If we're going to feel alive, we can't be numbing ourselves. Right. We got to be welcome to everything that's coming our way. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think that also speaks to the fact that happiness is not a destination. We don't end right. upon that. I think so many times like, Oh, when I get here, then I'll be happy. When I do this next thing, I'll be happy. And that it becomes this elusive thing that's out there that we never quite reach rather mm-hmm. than being mm-hmm. alive is simply experiencing the moments mm-hmm. as they come. That's, yeah. that's, that's a great quote. Thanks for yeah. Sharing. Yeah. There's, you know, there, there's so much about 
you know, what is happening internally, you know, what's unconscious, right. And what's unexamined, um, you know, that if, if you give space to, right. And travel has a wonderful ability of creating the conditions for space. Um, you know, the, the things bubble to the surface that, that do create joy, but you know, they might also create some pain and, but, you know, working through that is, uh, you know, helping you become a better version of Mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, hopefully that's what we're all seeking. Hopefully. <laughs> Some, yeah. The best version <laughs> we can be. All right, Jake, I've known you what, since junior high, mm-hmm. probably. And uh, we both ended up in Seattle, taking different routes of getting here. Uh, but we both ended up here. And for a short time, you were working for a company uh, at an office building in downtown Bellevue, Washington, just outside of Seattle, as was I at a different company at a different office building in downtown Bellevue, but they were just like a breezeway, a walkway <laughs> apart. <laughs> and I can remember you having this idea of starting up your first business, uh, mm-hmm. which was called Evergreen Escapes, which you uh, sold what, a couple of years ago now. Yeah, 2018. Okay, 2018. So um, about three years ago. So you've been at this now for what fifteen years, yeah. maybe a little over fifteen years of of, yeah. of of running businesses, of being a just being an entrepreneur. For mm-hmm. uh, it's probably the easiest way to describe it. And I think there's a sexiness to that word, oftentimes. And I think uh, uh, there's a lot of admiration for people that have that kind of cavalier cowboy spirit of of going out and starting up something. Mm-hmm. I've also seen just being close to you uh, the trials and the and the, and the pain and the mm-hmm. uh, the self doubting that can come with can come with that as well. Um, but you always seem to pick yourself back up and and, and keep going and uh, just keep evolving. I'm curious, what drives you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's um, something I'd like to ask any entrepreneur, but I've got you sitting next to me, so yeah, what drives you. Yeah. You know, for me, I, I, you know, I feel like I, I have a deep appreciation for travel. Obviously that's, that, that, that comes through. That's, that's where I am a, I guess, a serial entrepreneur, um, impact entrepreneur. And I just see so much potential there, you know, to help people live better lives, right. And create a better, better society and a better, better world. Uh, I think that travel has the potential to, uh, to bring all of us, uh, you know, these, these amazing gifts, you know, and, uh, and, you know, so my, you know, my first, my first business evergreen escapes, you know, was about connecting people to nature, you know, using outdoor education and naturalist interpretation to connect people, you know, to, to nature. Uh, and, uh, you know, as, as m- my own sort of spirit has evolved, you know, and, and, you know, I've, I've expanded, on you know what that means, and 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 also you know seek the depths of, of of transformation as we've discussed, and you know you know so that's that's what drives me. It, it does it does bring sort of a higher consciousness to to self, you know, and and I, I care about I, you know conservation, you know, I care about um, doing the right thing, and uh, you know I just think that there's you know as an entrepreneur, if you if you if you have that fire that burns inside of you. Uh, you know, you, you have the power and the potential and the possibility to affect change. You know, it might be small. It might be, it might be something bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that, that, that opportunity to, to affect change is what drives me. And, and as you said, it's not easy. You know, there was actually one time 
um, one of my lowest moments. And for all the entrepreneurs out there, um, you, know, you, you know what I'm talking about. You know, in some days you just feel like giving up. Um, but I, I had a breakfast with with Ryan here and a couple others, and I was really vulnerable, borderline tears. You know, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And um, you know, and they said, Jake, you know, just you know, keep keep going and and swing for the fences. Uh, and I and I remember when I drove back that day mm-hmm. back home. I, I, I had a release, you know, I was, I was emotional and I, and I was able to surrender to that. Like, okay, I'm going to swing for the fences. These are my best friends. They know me better than anyone in the world. And, uh, and, and they can see me even when I might not be able to see myself. Yeah. Um, and that was really powerful. And I think that's a journey that, that entrepreneurs go on. Well, not to mention, I think we're just all better off for the work you're doing specifically but I think on a broader scale, I think when people choose the path to do what they're passionate about and where their talents lie, mm-hmm. we're all better served for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's like if everyone followed what their talents and skills and passions are, mm-hmm. then all of humanity benefits from that. Yeah. 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 I think we all have our calling. And, you know, if you're able to to tune in and do the work and trust yourself and, and, and identify what that is, then, then you have an extraordinary opportunity to contribute in the way that you're meant to contribute. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about a pretty uh, amazing experience you were able to share with your family and that was brought upon from the pandemic. So obviously there's a, a, a lot of upheaval and changes that the pandemic has, has caused for a lot of people. Uh, but with that is also a lot of opportunity. And one of those opportunities is that you and your wife and two children actually went down to Southern Baja, Mexico, um, near Todos Santos, and spent about three months there where you and your wife were both able to continue working remotely. Your children yeah. were, con- were able to continue doing their schoolwork remotely. Talk to me about that experience and how has that changed your family dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that this last year and and the pandemic has, has been, um, extremely challenging on many levels for us individually and collectively. And I just want to, I just want to honor that. And, 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 uh, you know, but with all of the pain, you know, and kind of going back Mm -hmm. to that full spectrum, right. Of, of emotion, you know, it's also been this opportunity for us to be introspective as individuals and, and as families, Mm-hmm. Um, as society and in, in, in tourism, um, and uh, you know, it, and with that, you know, it's it's it, it gives us this gift of of connection. You know, like this last year has been wonderful for my family and for my kids and for my, you know, you know, sort of me focusing on my role as as a father and a husband. Uh, and uh, you know, I had this perfect opportunity with going to Toda Santos. You know, to. Uh, to travel and, and, and spend meaningful time and, and another, another culture, uh, with my kids and, and, and settle in and be immersive. Um, you know, in the, in the travel industry, we get to travel a lot, but we don't always, we don't always get to just, uh, you know, settle into a destination and go slow. Right. And, and, and connect, uh, deeply with a destination. And so, um, you know, this, we talked about, you know, with, with, with Quinn and, and, and all of, 
you know, Quinn's in middle school and, and I always had aspirations of maybe taking Quinn on a year yeah, round, year, sure. like a taking him out of school oh, and of doing course. a round the world oh, trip or something like that. I know, I know. And, and with, with the pandemic and, you know, the ability to do remote learning and, and all that, all of a sudden, you know, move from tr- going on a trip with Quinn to the whole family having the opportunity yeah. to go down there and, yeah, that was that was special, and and the thing that I noticed the most about that is is I think travel does sort of crack you open to uh, you know new ways of of being and engaging the world, and uh, you know not, we didn't see a lot of clouds down there, and so every <laughs> single night I was able to 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 look up at the stars, right, and every single morning I was able to listen to the bird song and and and, and watch the most beautiful sunrises, and um, you know, and being you know in in a place that was not rainy and cold like Seattle at that time, you know, I was able to be outside a lot and that really put me and the family like in, 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 uh, outside and in nature a lot, you know, and we started to harmonize with that and we got in a really good rhythm, uh, you know, and, and, you know, looking back, like that's, that might be the most important thing that ever happens to my family and I, you know, you guys came back. Why? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just joking. I know you got a life here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. how do you think that will help strengthen your family unit and that bond between the four of you moving forward? I know you just said that looking back, mm-hmm. that might be the best thing that's ever happened to mm-hmm. to you and your family. How do you think you can use that experience now moving forward mm-hmm. and now being kind of back into the the groove of life in Seattle and back into activities and work and schools opening up again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I I think that, I think if there's anything that we can pass on to our kids, it is the belief that, that they can do anything, right? Like open up possibilities, you know, that, that, that they can follow a passion or, you know, or they can follow a dream or they can go and live abroad. Right. Like I, I want to break down all these walls that end us end up, you know, holding so many of us back. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that that's, you know, what, that's the gift that this trip gave us is, you know, it, that really opened the hearts and the minds, you know, of, of all of us, you know? And so, you know, as the kids get older, you know, they're going to call back, they're going to go back to that and say, yeah, yeah, yeah I can do that. Yeah. I can do that with my family. That's right. Uh, and that's, that's, that, that's all I can ask for. Uh, you know, ho- hopefully years from now, you know, you know, they might even listen to this podcast and, <laughs> And they better. Uh, yeah, they better, right? <laughs> and, better listen to this. And, 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 and they've had that seed planted, you know, in a meaningful way. It's not just a, a vacation or a trip, you know, but we, we engaged, uh, you know, in another culture and it was, it was hard, but it was beautiful. That's so great. That's so great. I think that that's a great way to wrap that up, that it was hard and it was beautiful. Okay. Let's talk, not necessarily travel. We're going to get off the topic <laughs> of travel. One of the reasons I love you is because I can fully be myself with you. And I think anybody that's crossed paths with Jake Hopper in their life probably feels the same way. You just have this amazing way of listening and being non-judgmental and respecting people in an unconditional way. And so I just, first and foremost, yeah, I want you to know. How and much I love I, you too. Every, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but no, really it's unique. And I've, I've always appreciated that about you. So thank I want to get real here a little bit and let's just talk here as two fathers, two husbands. Where do you think we come up short the most as men in today's society? 
That's a good a good question, and I think that I would have to 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 go you know deeply into our our bond you know, and and we talk about you know our group of friends and how we approach friendship, and um, you know it's quite natural for us in the way that we interact and the way that we engage and and what we share with each other and the space that we've created, and I think that's that a lot of that is around vulnerability, yeah, uh, you know, and. I, you know, I share, you know, you know, some of our rituals, you know, in terms of backpacking and, you know, we get together monthly and, or, you know, on a zoom, zoom call or our, our breakfasts, yeah. you know, and, and I tell them, you know, the things that come up, you know, and the tears that are often shed and, and, you know, the strength and that, that we, that we get from this. And, and they're often like awestruck, you know, like, wow, you know, that's, that's incredible. And it's usually followed after that is like, oh, I wish that I had that yeah. too. You know, and, and I think that our society just has a tendency to, 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 you know, tell men that they, that they've got to be brave and bold all the time, right. That they can't show weakness. And, and I would, I would argue that being brave and and being bold is showing weakness, Mm. is showing vulnerability. Uh, And I want, I'd love for more men to overcome that. Right. Yeah, and I think that's a very difficult thing for a lot of men. I do think there's some progress being made in that field. Not not enough, but I do see there's more men out there that are leading yeah. groups and discussions and topics and really creating entire businesses around this very this very subject matter. So I think we're starting to recognize that. But for a lot of men, there's not enough safe spaces to feel that way. And I'll piggyback on to one thing Jake said there about the breakfast. So there's a group of four of us that are good friends that we all grew up together, myself and Jake and uh, Jesse Corkin and Bo Shields. And we, we've kind of splintered a little bit as far as everyone's still living close by. But for quite a while, we would try to get together for a monthly breakfast. And it was this space where we each got a certain amount of time to share. And what we would do is a high for the month, a low for the month, a WTF yeah. for the month. I don't know if this yeah. needs to be like what, what rating we need on this podcast, but I think everyone <laughs> knows what WTF stands for. And then a goal, mm-hmm. a goal yeah. for our next meeting. And so it was really this way to show, okay, what's going great with our lives. And that could be anything, whether it be career, whether it be relationships, whether it be uh, you know, some physical challenge or whatever it might be. Uh, so our highs for the month, our lows for the month, and then just kind of our, what the heck's going on? We didn't really see that coming. Uh, and, Mm -hmm. and then the goal was, so we had something actionable that that we could do, right. right? So that we actually be held accountable. accountable. That was a Mm -hmm. huge piece Mm -hmm. of it. It was an action and that the other three would hold Mm -hmm. us accountable to, because we'd have to report then the next month. And that was such a, and I, I, I speak in the past tense because we have gone away from that a little bit. And the unfortunately, pandemic. the pandemic, yeah. and again, uh, one of you know one of our uh, good friends in that group has, has moved away from Seattle. So, yeah, between the pandemic and logistics, it just hasn't happened. But I really cherish those, but those meetings and those gatherings. And the biggest thing was it was a a place to be, as you said, vulnerable. It was mm-hmm. this safe place where we could just be 
Yeah. Just be raw. And yeah. you mentioned earlier about that talk you had where you're, during one of your business ventures where you're feeling really low and not sure if you could continue mm-hmm. on. And we were all like, yeah. swing for the fences. And I actually don't even know if I knew that mm-hmm. particular story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's really cool to hear that. So I think a lot of, a lot of powerful moments came for that, but I think you're right. I think we need more spaces like that for, yeah, for men in general. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, that's rare with the Gen X group, but it seems to be much more common with the millennial millennial mm-hmm. men, which I, I want to acknowledge and, yeah. and honor that. And I'm, I'm really excited to hear that they're, that they're dedicated to that because I, I think it is a, super important it, it is and like i said i, th- I think we're making progress at yeah. least we're trending in the right direction with all of this yeah. Yeah. okay we're both fathers of two children yours are a little bit older than mine but not by much mm-hmm. so you have uh quinn and olive and they're what 13 and 10 now yeah. is that right mm-hmm. and my children poppy and van are nine and six what would you say your biggest strength is as a father um, <laughs> that's a good, good question. We'll, see if, Quinn, we'll see if Quinn and all agree with this. <laughs> um, you know, I think that, I, I think that there is a, uh, as a father, you're modeling constantly good and bad behaviors. And, and I am certainly, uh, um, guilty of, of sharing bad behaviors, uh, and modeling those. But I think that I'm also really good at living a full life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think I, I, I think they see me you know, pursuing the things that I'm passionate about, you know, for myself and for my family and, and, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur and being focused on purpose and impact and, you know, and, and, and leading from my heart, you know, and surrounding myself with great people. Uh, you know, so I, I hope that they sort of recognize that as, uh, you know, as, as my biggest strength, you know, cause I certainly have many weaknesses uh, in regard to that. But, uh, um, I hope at the end of the day when they, you know, when, when, when they're older and they look back, you know, and, and, and see, say, you know, what was dad really good at? And I, I would hope that they said like, dad live life to the fullest and, and, and worked his ass off to, you know, um, uh, to, to create a better life for all of us. Modeled the way. Yeah. Follow what about up. you? Follow up. What about you? <laughs> Wait, this is, is this a two-sided, is this a two-sided <laughs> interview here? No, I'll answer that. I'll, I'll answer that. I think my biggest strength is being present and available for my children. I think that I try when I am, you know, as a firefighter, I'm gone a lot, but I'm, I'm around a lot. And one of the one of the detriments, I guess, of that job is the fact that, yeah, when I when I go on shift, dad's not around. But one of the benefits of that is that when I'm home, I'm, I'm home and I don't always have some of the other uh, things hanging over my head that some people may have in terms of uh, work responsibilities and things like that. So I really feel like I give my all to my kids when I am with them. Uh, so if I really look at the kind of quality versus quantity and what have you, I, I feel like my my quality is as about as good as I think I can give. Mm-hmm. Not saying that it's perfect, but I really think of that. I mean, there's times where, especially my son Van, just because he's a little bit more demanding of my time, they'll be like, Dad, let's go. I want to play basketball. I want to play football. Let's go kick the soccer ball around. And there are so many times that 
I sit there, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. That's the last thing that I feel like doing right now. And then inevitably, even if I tell him no the first time, about 30 seconds later, I think to myself, you know, Ryan, like you should be so lucky that your kid wants to Mm -hmm. do these things with you. Mm -hmm. And so then I have this little conversation in my head and also like, hey, Ryan, this period of isn't always going to be here. There's going to be a time that he's not going to want you to be the one to do all these things with. And and my daughter, probably the same way. But like I said, I just, he's a little bit more demanding of, of, of my time. So for both of them, I think that like, how fortunate am I that they want to do these things with me? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to turn that down because I know there's going to be a time where those roles are going to be reversed Mm -hmm. and I might be the one asking them and they might want to have other things to do. So Mm -hmm. let's, seize this opportunity. Yeah. And so even if I say no, I almost always, mm-hmm. okay, buddy, you know, yeah. okay, so rise up. Let's, let's go do mm-hmm. it. Let's go do it. Mm-hmm. So that, that I think is my biggest strength. Uh, all right. Let's talk a little bit about weaknesses. What's your biggest weakness as a father? Well, ironically, <laughs> my biggest weakness would probably be is, is being present mm. and, and, and being available. Mm. Uh, you know, while I have a ton of flexibility, um, you know, I'm, I'm, overwhelmingly obsessed with my work uh, and that has really positive outputs uh, but also negative impacts you know on on my family and and you know so every day you know I I try to remind myself you know and not every day because I'll often forget right I'll lose my focus and that's not being present to what really matters most and and you know being present and available for my kids that's that's my number one priority uh, but I end up getting lost in the chaos and I end up, you know, at, at the end of the day. And I think, you know, as you, you're an entrepreneur as well, you know, you, a lot of the times, you know, you just, you, you, you can't turn it off, yeah. right. You keep creating and keep innovating and keep, you know, it just keeps flowing and, and it's hard to, to step away from that state of being. It's almost impossible. It, it is really hard. And you have, so many balls in the air that you're juggling. That makes sense mm-hmm. because starting this project up, doing this podcast and some other business venture ideas that I have. And I remember when I started uh, the CrossFit gym with my brother-in-law that I have, I remember feeling the same way. And it is so easy to become overwhelmed and you have so many things. I, you know, I, I will say just the other night before we left to, it was the night before flying out here to Montana and this mm-hmm. happened to me. I, I was on shift for two days. I was home. I, uh, talk to somebody for, I, I actually, I filmed a podcast, uh, uh, remotely that day. I had a few other things that I wanted to do before we left and my kids were wanting my attention at night. And I was like, guys, I've got to, I got to send out a few emails and do this and that. And then, but like I said, I, once again, I checked myself. I was like, just wake your ass up early. Just get up a little earlier tomorrow yeah. while the kids are sleeping before I get on the plane. And, you know, and that's what I ended up doing, but you've, you know, that's, that is tough. I'll tell you what my biggest weakness is. I, I think I, I push too hard. Mm-hmm. I push too hard. I expect too much. And I and my wife is constantly mm-hmm. reminding myself to, hey, they're going to be fine. And just yeah. take your foot off the gas a little bit. It's okay if we miss this particular activity tonight or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. So I think I have unrealistic expectations at times. Yeah. My children. And I, I, I want them to be doing certain things the way I, through my lens, not necessarily, I, mm-hmm. I, I forget to sometimes look through their lens. Yeah. I'm so. with you. I'm with you. I, I share that as well. And, 
and I push hard and, you know, I, I can be idealistic and, and, uh, you know, sort of transfer my own, um, high expectations of self, you know, mm-hmm. and onto them, which is completely unfair. It is. Right. Um, yeah. you know, but at the same Guilty. time, as you and I have talked about, uh, on this, on this particular trip, you know, that, that quote from Teddy Roosevelt, you know, mm. uh, the man in the arena yeah. or the woman in the arena. Yeah. And, uh, and how important that is, you know, that we, and for those listening, if you, if you don't know the quote, I'm, I'm certainly not going to uh, try to, to read it to you right now. So it's a long one, but I encourage you to look it up and, and read it because it's powerful. And, and I think as, as fathers, you know, we want to raise kids that, you that know, in the arena. that are in the arena that are in the and arena. And so we do push hard. And yeah. And to sum that up, it's basically saying that you're better off in defeat than never having gotten in the arena right. at all. Right. You're, you're better off getting in there and losing than right. never trying. Right. right. So it's, right. Put yourself out there. The cold and timid souls that know neither victory nor defeat is, is how that ends. Yes. And yeah, that's such a hard thing. That is such a hard thing for me to do, but I'm trying to get better at it. Yeah. We can help each other. Yeah, exactly. Trying to, trying to keep evolving. What do you want the 18 year old version of Jake to know? That mm-hmm. will help him when he reaches his mid forties, as, as, <laughs> as we are now, as yeah. two men now sitting here in our mid forties, which is hard to believe in its own right because I still feel like eighteen. But yeah, yeah, if you could have a conversation with eighteen year old you, what would you tell him? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's a story of of the tattoo that I that is on my wrist that I'm looking at right now, and it says Gense uh, Daha, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll tell a quick story that I think is, uh, you know, the, the the message that I received on this particular journey uh, into the Ecuadorian Amazon. Uh, I went down there with uh, a mentor of mine. His name is, is Gordon Hempton. He's a, a acoustic ecologist, a sound tracker, and, and recently called the God of silence. Uh, and uh, we spent a, a couple weeks deep in the Amazon with, with uh, the Kofan tribe. Uh, and uh, uh I don't know what point during the trip, you know, but we were, we were deep in the jungle and, um, you know, we were fishing and and hunting and, you know, that was the only way that we were going to, that we were going to be able to eat, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and it was pouring down rain and everything around you is a threat, you know, and, you know, the, the realization that both of us had in that moment was like, the only thing that we can do is let it happen. Mm. And, uh, and, and Gordon and I, you know, that was really, really impactful because Gordon and I both recognized as uh, ourselves as guys that make it happen. Yeah. Right. You know, we were, and, and I remember even with our group of friends, you know, like, you know, if, if you want something done or do or get something planned, you know, like Jake would make it happen. Mm-hmm. Like that was just in my nature. And, yeah. and I, and I built a whole identity around yes. Make it happen, you know, and, uh, and this, and this shifted, you know, in that moment of like, oh, wait, it's, it's not make it happen. It is let it happen and let it flow, you know? And, uh, so Gordon and I, uh, you know, had a chuckle and, you know, as, as you do when you sort of have those aha moments and those realizations. And, and then on our way out, out of uh, Ecuador and and Quito, we went by the tattoo parlor (laughs) and we both had Ginsi Daha, which is co-fan for, let it happen let it tattooed. Happen. And, and that's something that I've been living with since. And, and I wish that I could whisper in 18 year old version of Jake and say, you know, just chill out, yeah. you know, like 
life life will come to you if you just open up to it and and let it happen that's so great it's so great and you and I are getting a tattoo together too. Yes, as yes, well. yes, we are. The acacia tree. The acacia tree. I don't think there's going to be any foreign language that I'm going to need to learn to speak for ours. But this is yeah. the, this is the language of nature. That, <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Not to mention, I want to be known as the god of something. I mean, I know. To, you know, you've made it when you're the god of something. The I god know, of silence. Right? I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's, that's, that's I great. get to play with uh, with Gordon on that all the time whenever I see him. That's so what great. does God think? That's so great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jake, final few, final few questions here. These are our parting shots. I want you to fire off the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh-huh. Ready? Yeah. A book or TV show that you can't stop talking about. That's an easy one. So that's the transformational travel journal <laughs> oh, that, uh, <laughs> by Eric Rupp. There you go. Uh, that is, that is uh, a journal that, that, that we at the council wrote, you know, with, with, with Eric Rupp, you know, leading the way wow. around, you know, giving, guiding and empowering, supporting travelers, you know, in a journey of, you know, gaining more meaning. Right. And transforming. Uh, and so I've been talking about that a lot ladies, lately. And people a little can, self-promotion. And people can find that and buy that where? Uh, at our website, transformational.travel. Awesome. A non-living thing you cannot live without. A non- oh, you're surprising me with these. Uh-huh. A non-living thing. You cannot choose a family member. Oh, because they're living. <laughs> because they're living. Yeah. And the question is a non-living thing. A non-living thing. Um, I'd have to say I typically carry, you know, some sort of totem or stone or, you know, something in my pocket, uh, especially when I travel, you know, to help me stay grounded and centered and, and appreciative of the things that mean the most to me, you know? And so, um, that's probably, that's probably a thing that I can't live without because it helps me live, I guess. If you were not in the travel industry, Uh what would you be doing for your life's work? I would be, and I would, I'd be um, humanitarian. I'd, I'd be working, you know, to, you know, to, to help with different crises around the world. Um, hopefully, be in a position. I mean, it does tie into travel. So, so what you're trying to do, I mean, everything that you've talked about in so many ways is, yeah. is that. So, I mean, I think that's probably your at, at your core, at your soul, who you it are. It is, yeah. I mean, I have a, a deep desire to to help, you know, help individuals and humanity you know move forward and 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 flourish uh you know and if there's an opportunity to to help uh, a community or individuals that are in despair and and be there to support them and and you know in any way that i possibly can that's 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 what i'm called to awesome your happiest win um i'm happiest when when I, you know, I guess it, it's in those moments of clarity and observation of my family and looking at what we've created, you know, Jessica and I and, 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 and being fully appreciative and having that gratitude of like, we have that whole world out there that I, I love to go and engage and embrace fully you know, but at the end of the day, you know, that is the rock, right? And that is my home, you know, and that doesn't mean that it has to be home in Seattle. It can be wherever we are, 
but when I have those moments of clarity, that, that feeling of bliss, hmm. right, is, mm-hmm. is, is when I, I, I can step out of the, the, the moment and observe my family, you know, uh, going through the day-to-day. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to find that. That is. It is. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when, you, when you do, you know it. Yeah. You know yeah. it. You know it. Yeah, and you just want to capture it. You know, you don't want it to, to slip away. Yeah. Okay, you have to do something you're scared to do. How do you quiet that? fear and proceed anyway. <laughs> um, I think I can be a little reckless with this because I crave, I, I, I thrive off of risk and fear and being scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I tend to, to try not to think about it, especially in my youth at this age, you know, I certainly am more conscious of, of, of risk and that it impact that it has on others, you know, so quieting the fear, I, I, I guess I'd have to say trusting, you know, trusting and, and knowing that, that, you know, I've, I've hopefully put my, myself in a position that I'm going to be able to manage whatever is coming my way mm-hmm. and accept whatever outcome that, mm-hmm. that, that, that it brings. Mm-hmm. I like that acceptance kind of back to the tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Was it let it happen? Yeah. Final question for you. What does it mean to be brave in Jake Hoppert's words? <laughs> Um, I guess it means uh, being brave is, you know, throwing caution to the wind and just, and just going for the things that you want with reckless abandon and, and, and being prepared, you know, going back to that man in the arena, being prepared to, to suffer and struggle mm-hmm. and to be defeated, you know, um, but at least to just put yourself out there and take steps toward, toward your goal and believe that you're, you, that it's on the horizon and it's there for you to grab, you know, and it might not be what you expect it to be, mm-hmm. but, but it's, it's going to impact you one way or the other, but you're not going to find out if you're not brave. <laughs> All right. That is it. Jake Hoppert. Thank you so much. Ryan Schaefer. Thank you. I love you, bud. <laughs> love you too. I think it's time for us to go get some dinner. We might even be able to watch uh, Montana sunset uh, yeah. while sipping a cocktail. I think we should yeah. do it. Yeah, and I think the moon moon rises over those mountains here soon too. <laughs> right now, it. let's yes. do it. It's, it's, right. it's, it's, it's time to it's time to go enjoy some more time here in Montana. All right, bud. Thanks so much. Thanks, Ryan. And that's a wrap on this episode of The Bravest Kind with your host, Ryan Schaefer. Be sure to check out my website, ryanschaefer.com. That's R-Y-A-N-S-H-E-A-F-F-E-R.com for more podcast episodes and information happening in my world. Also, don't forget to subscribe to The Bravest Kind podcast. And if you feel so inclined, please take a moment to leave us a rating for the show. We'll be back at it with a new guest next week. Until then, be brave and be kind in your own lives. 